Hello and welcome to Bubbly Bibbly, the podcast about books and bubbles, literature and libations, authors and alcohol. We love books and bubbly. We are friends who offer a curated book review section on our website and a hilarious podcast. We discuss books, drinks, and stories from our lives. I'm Rachel. And I am Carmen. I don't know if you saw my TikTok video about Lafayette County, Louisiana School Board deciding they needed to change the makeup of the committee that determined whether or not to ban books. But I tell you what, it is time to take a stand. Let me just tell you, Carmen, I always see your TikTok videos. Love them. <laughs> but I think I, I, I feel like this notion of banning books really comes from just fear. But really, we have got to overcome our fears and realize that books are not the danger that they, they perceive them to be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, my friend, uh, I've known him for 20 years. His name is Scott. He lives in Louisiana. Hi, Scott. He Hi, is, Scott. He's very precise. And maybe because he's an architect by trade, but he is also a reader. And he pushed back a little a few years ago when I put a spotlight on quote-unquote banned books. Right. And basically, he posited that there really weren't any banned books in the United States of America. So I kind of acquiesced, what? I know, and changed it to, quote, challenged books. But, Rachel, we are in different times now. Banned books are not new, though, but they sure have gained new relevance in this escalating culture war that puts books centering on racism, sexuality, gender identity at risk in our public schools and library. And this censorship is really dividing us even further. Yeah. In the late 1980s and early 90s, there was something called satanic panics, kind of the same thing. In this episode, Carmen and I are going to tell you why it's the time to take up arms because it is all about Banned books. Hey, Bubbly Bibliophiles. Did you know that you can leave a voice message for Rachel and me? Go to www.bubblybibbly.com, click on the contact tab, and scroll down to the bottom where there's a button for you to leave up to 120 seconds of anything you want to say. We hope to hear from you. I am drinking a beer called Juicy Bunny from Straight to Ale. Look at this. Look at this cute. Isn't that cute? It's called Juicy Bunny. Okay, first of all, if I was ever a stripper, my name. That would be my name. My name would be fucking. Welcome to the stage, Juicy Bunny. (laughs) But I love it because it's straight to ale. Mm -hmm. Uh, Anyway, it's a good beer. And I figured I just needed something solid to go with this theme tonight. I I couldn't either that or I need a shot of something. (laughs) Yes. Okay. And that's where I come in. Um, Okay. 
I am drinking the favorite drink of prohibition in the United States, gin. Gin was one of the most popular alcoholic beverages at the time since it was generally the most straightforward, least expensive, and quickest to make. So all you had to do was you took some alcohol, you thin it with water, you add glycerin and juniper oil, and presto, you have gin. And how am I drinking it? Straight. Just like America fucking intended. And we'll come back to that with a little teaser later. (laughs) Well, I just started reading The Younger Wife by Sally Hepworth. Um, This has been selected for our monthly book club. And I just got going on it. And it is going to be a good one. I can't wait. I have to give you some. How far are you into it? Like just two chapters in. (laughs) Not very far. Okay. Okay. Well, I just finished, and I I think I I mentioned this on the last episode. Right. I just finished the four wins, and it it oh it almost wrecked me. I read that. I read that last year. It is. Such a devastatingly good book. Yes, yes, yes. Um, And it, so it deals with a woman who is not loved or appreciated by her family. And so she moves on with her life to another family and they are immigrants to the United States. And this isn't in the, 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 you know, after the Great Depression, this is in the 20s and 30s. And so she moves on. She marries and has children. And they live in the, um, oh, shoot, what do, you, what do you call the little, the panhandle? She, they live in the panhandle of Texas. And they experience the Dust Bowl. And everything that they talked about in this book, I looked up because I was so interested in how accurate it was. And the the Dust Bowl, this black um, dust, they called it Black uh, Sunday, I think. And everything just tracked. And this is the one that it just went on and on and on. And those farmers were so proud and they were so bent to, to make their own way, to make their own lives. And so to pack up everything and go to California was very, very devastating for them. But when they got to California, they were called Okies and they were not welcome in the schools and they couldn't go to the hospitals and they were migrant workers, but they were all Americans. And it really gave me a new perspective of especially today, what we're doing with Mexicans who are coming into America. We talk about how they're taking our jobs and they're they're not citizens, but they're getting help from us. And, you know, if you understood what went on in the Dust Bowl 
and people people are just trying to make a better life for themselves and and that's the bottom line people are just trying to have a future for their children that was better than what they went through and it it really it changed me and i would highly highly recommend the four winds because it will give you a perspective that you would never ever ever have otherwise it it was a really good book it gave me it really did talk about the despair and the difficulties during that time and like you said it sort of is reminiscent about migrant workers today too this is going to be a little bit of a wild ride so as betty davis said in all about eve fasten your seatbelts. it's going to be a bumpy night The American Library Association defines a challenge to a book as a formal written complaint with a library or school requesting that materials be removed because of content or appropriateness. Accounts of book bannings and attempted book bannings along with threats against Threats against librarians have soared over the past year, and the ALA has included some numbers in its annual State of America's Library Report. It was released in April of this year, and the association found 729 challenges affecting nearly 1,600 books at public schools and libraries in 2021 more than doubled 2020 figures and the highest since ALA began compiling challenges more than 20 years ago. And, you know, Rachel, I'm going to say this again for emphasis. Challenges have doubled. Doubled. I know. It's crazy. These are official challenges, not the ones where a parent or a citizen talks privately to a teacher or librarian. These are official numbers. Right. And I think, like you said, I think the actual numbers are pretty, pretty likely much higher. Some challenges are never, like you said, never reported. The books are preemptively pulled by librarians for fear of their jobs um, or getting fired. It's crazy. So, you know, I have noticed in the last few years, the the banned books uh, like banner or motto has been um, that ban ban books divide us, censorship divides us, but reader reading unites us, and I think it's really important that we see that when you are banning a book. You're not just banning it for your child. You're banning it for every child. Right. And I think these would be book banners. They argue like, oh, you, you know, you can still go purchase a book, even though it's not in the library. But that's only true for people who can financially do that. I mean, a lot of like, especially children and young adults, in school and public libraries, that's their only mean of access to any kind of literature. Yes, yes, yes. And, you know, librarians, 
And and I hate to say this because I, I live in, you know, a terribly, terribly small town in the Bible Belt of Alabama, but librarians should be among the most liberal of citizens because they should be for knowledge, for diversity, for um acceptance. Librarians should be all about providing the resources necessary for you to make up your own mind. And I think that is what we're missing in banning books. People who want to ban books want to tell you what to think, want to tell you how to feel, want to tell you what you believe, instead of letting you have the knowledge yourself and come up with it on your own. Your own. Right. I think it's, I mean, banning a book is so significant, like you said, because it just restricts other, other people to ideas. Or it can also just be banned on someone's, one person's ideology. Yes. Or it even could be politically yes. motivated in objecting it. Like maybe it's something from, you know, past President Carter or someone else or even Barack Obama for many, whatever reasons, you know? So you just have to, I mean, we really do have to stand up and start saying, look, books are books. We're leaving them in here. You don't have to read them if you don't want to. And they're here for you instead of restricting. Well, when we come back, let's talk about some of the most challenged books. The two most challenged books on the ALA's top 10 list have been in the news often. Mm-hmm. Maya Kababy, graphic memoir about sexual identity called Gender Queer, and Jonathan Evanson's Lawn Boy, which is about uh, a coming-of-age novel narrated by a young gay man. Both have been singled out by Republican officials. Now, Rachel and I are not going to make this political, but the fact is the Republican Party is much more socially conservative than the other parties. Okay, and you know as well as I, I mean, if you, anybody knows me, there's nothing wrong with being socially conservative. You are free to have your beliefs your morals, your ideals, but so is everybody else. If you're a parent of a child who has a book on a reading list that you don't agree with, you're free to go challenge that title for your child, but you should not be able to keep that title or that book away from any other child, you know, any other kid. Um, You can keep the book from your child, but no one else. Like, that's not your right or privilege. I am drinking a cocktail from the Prohibition era on purpose. The government was heavily lobbied by two groups, the Women's Christian Temperance Union and the Anti-Saloon League. These two groups wanted to enact federal law on behalf of their beliefs. Now, if this sounds familiar 
continue to listen because there is a danger in allowing a very vocal but small faction dictating legislation for an entire country. And going back even farther, America was settled by European uh, Puritans who had a very tight hold on the entire East Coast. And you'll find today that the East Coast is still more conservative when compared to the rest of the country. The drinkers started to migrate in the late 1800s. They're going somewhere to find places to drink, as you can see. I tell you what. They're shifting. And the residents who had been there for less than 100 years saw this core value shifting. And we don't even want to talk about the Native American people and culture and history and the land being just ripped away by these same Puritans. Right, right. And if you look closely at why books are challenged and banned, you'll see that it is the exact same thing over 125 years later. Most of the challenges occur because people don't agree with the perspective that's being presented. So the most common reasons for challenging a book are sexual content, drugs and alcohol, anti-religious, and anti-family themes. And all of this is very (laughs) problematic. Shit. All of this is very problematic because people have got to realize that everyone is different. And it's really very important to see yourself portrayed in popular culture, whether it's television, advertisements, or novels. Prayer in school is a very good example of this. Originally, the majority of people were either Christian or didn't subscribe to any belief. So that nobody really cared. But then other cultures started to voice their need for inclusions. Right, right. Hold on. That was not okay. When we separated church and state early for a great reason, religious beliefs are not, religious beliefs are very personal and there's no way to honor one without excluding the other. So we turn the spotlight off all of us. And are you mad in the stores when they say happy holidays and still Merry Christmas? Well, just imagine if you were Jewish, you know, um, You don't want you don't want Merry Christmas being put in front of you when when you're Jewish. It's kind of like like Jesus was. It's just a sign of respect that you say happy holidays. It's not a comment that you're not Christian or it's no longer valued, but you're respecting and loving this other person that may not have your same uh, beliefs. Yes, yes, yes. And all of this is so closely tied together and people don't realize and i truly believe this they don't realize what they're doing they are telling everyone else that the opinion of the challenger is the most important and the rules for the masses must be made on the beliefs and wishes of the few This is absolutely not a line we want to cross. And when we come back, we're going to talk about how you can get ready for Banned Books Week. 
If you want to support the freedom to read anything you choose, the first thing you can do is go to the American Library Association website and look at all the information there on Banned Books Week. There are all kinds of free things to download, like web graphics, coloring sheets, and videos. And you need to put them on your social media and let people know that you're supporting the freedom to read. You're not saying that you think children should have the access to everything. You're saying that everyone should have the choice and ability to decide what to read. There's a huge difference there. Yes. The next thing you can do is go to your library and check out banned books. Hopefully, your library will have a banned book display and you can easily choose something that interests you. It's important to let your community, including state and local governments, know that you support these choices. They look at what people are checking out at public libraries. And again, you're you're not agreeing with the content or the themes but you are educating yourself and gaining a perspective that you may not have otherwise had. I just finished a book on the Dust Bowl, the Depression, and migrant workers' rights in the West in 1930s America. It was a nightmare for these people who only wanted to make a better life for their families and to provide for their children. It's the same thing we are seeing in closing the borders now. We want to close the borders because we're on the right side of it. But what if we were not? Do you know what that feels like? Because you can. You can know what that feels like by reading a book and by experiencing it through the safety of pages. So... This is bordering on being a little preachy, but we are in the age of social media, immediate gratification, and worldwide access. Now more than ever, we need to understand our fellow humans. Agreed? Yes. (laughs) Uh, We need to remember how great we have it because of those that came before us and fought and saved and and scrounged for everything that they had in order to survive. Yes, yes, yes. So that the next generation would have it easier. Well, you know what? Not every generation has it easier. And some of us have it easier that do have it easier. We have the responsibility to help. But I also wanted to add, um, you were talking about libraries having uh, book, book displays and everything. And I know Barnes & Noble also has a page just for banned books from yesterday all the way up to today. Excellent. Like, yes, yeah, good books. Excellent. And one of the best ways to get your heart and soul ready to do that, to, to have that responsibility to help those who don't have it as easily as you do, is to read. Right, exactly. Read about these people that you do not understand. Read about the people you don't agree with. Uh Read about the perspectives that you can't agree with, whether it is psychologically or, um, or religiously. Read about the cultures that you disdain. You know, after 9-11, it is so important to know that not every Middle Eastern person is a terrorist. Read about the why, the how, and the when. You are educating yourself. You are understanding 
those parts and pieces of society that you may have voiced opposition against in the past, but now you can understand what they're going through, what they feel, how people treat them. We are all human and we all have feelings, needs, hopes, and dreams. Just because people are different, their own journeys should not be diminished. They should, at the very least, be respected. And you can do this by reading about them. Bubbly Bibbly wants to remind you that we are just two voices. Voices that agree sometimes and sometimes differ, and that's okay. Rachel and I appreciate you and whatever you believe and hold dear. This is an important topic, and we really do want to hear from you. How do you feel about challenging or banning books? And make no mistake, your voice and opinion matter. We will show you the respect regardless of your stance. We truly do want to know what our listeners are thinking about this. And of course, reach out to us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, email through the recording link in our website and at bubblybibbly.com. And remember, author of several banned books, Lori Hals Anderson said in her book, Speak, Censorship is the child of fear and the father of ignorance. Thank you.